Hebrews 10:23 to 25. Let us hold firmly to the hope we claim to have, and God who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we stir up one another to love. Let us help one another to do good works. Let us not give up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing this. Instead, let us encourage one another with words of hope. Let us do this even more as we see Christ's return approaching. Hebrews 3:12-14. Brothers and sisters, make sure that none of you has a sinful heart. Do not let an unbelieving heart turn you away from the living God, but build up one another every day. Do it as long as there is still time. Then none of you will become stubborn. You won't be fooled by sin's tricks. We belong to Christ if we hold tightly to the faith that we had at first, but we must hold it tightly until the end. And Colossians 3:12-17. You are God's chosen people. You are holy and dearly loved. So put on tender mercy and kindness as if they were your clothes. Don't be proud. Be gentle and patient. Put up with one another. Forgive one another if you are holding something against someone. Forgive just as the Lord forgave you. And over all these good things, put on love. Love holds them together perfectly as if they were one. Let the peace that Christ gives rule in your hearts. As parts of one body, you were appointed to live in peace and be thankful. Let the message about Christ live among you like a rich treasure. Teach and correct one another wisely. Teach one another by singing psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing to God with thanks in your hearts. Do everything you say or do in the name of the Lord Jesus. Always give thanks to God the Father through Christ. Thank you, Forsyth family, for reading for us this morning. Good morning, Broadway. My name is Sims, one of the pastors here at Broadway. I'm going to be sharing God's word with you from the scriptures that have been read. There might be times where, uh, as we go, that I read again something to just remind you what was read. This is our last on the series of One Another's. And praise God that Ryan is back. I am excited. I praise God for that. Today, as we speak about one another's, I want us to look at it as the title for my sermon today is a life of encouraging one another. And I have put small groups there because my emphasis today is going to be really on small groups. So maybe before I start the sermon, I want to encourage you um, that there is a small group table at the back. We are starting a series on uncommon unity as from the 10th of um, September. And so we're going to be preaching on that, and small groups is going to be walking through that for 12 weeks. And so if you are not part of a small group, I encourage you, this week and next week, we'll have that table out there. Please sign up your, um, to a small group. There are a few that are available. Sign up. And if you feel like you, you have capacity to host a small group, please do see me. I would love to talk to you. And if you feel like you've got capacity as well to lead a small group, please see me. 
I'm happy to talk to you and we'll help you as you grow one and as you create one. We are trying by all means to get small groups to be going because that's where we grow with one another. Amen. So um, as we start today, I'll, we heard today from Hebrews chapter 10, 23 to 25, which speaks about let us hold on. Verse 25 says, let us hold fast to our confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So the first thing for us today that I want us to think about is that we are called to be people who hold on to our hope. We are called to be the people who cling to our hope. Other versions say that. It's not just like holding on lightly. It's holding on for dear life to our hope. There is not an issue of the hands of holding on. It's an issue of holding on in the heart. It's an issue of persevering. It's an issue of, of holding as if it, your life depends on it. And it says, let us hold on to this hope because he who promised is faithful. And I want to encourage us as a church today that as hope-filled people, we should know that the God who made these promises to us, he is faithful. His word tells us that he is faithful even when we are not faithful because he can't deny himself. He is faithful. And so I want to encourage us that let's embrace this hope. And our hope is in nothing else but Jesus. When we have hope in other things, we can let go of those hopes. And they can, and they can let us down. But our hope in Jesus, our hope in God would never let you down. You might walk through hard things. You might walk through terrible things. But the hope in Jesus will never let you down. And I want to encourage us that let us hold on to this hope. Before we even talk about one another's, let us hold on to the hope of Jesus. Jesus is the hope of this world. Jesus is the hope of our lives. There is no other place we can go to. And then the second thing that scripture says in verse 24, it says, let us consider how we spur one another towards good deeds. Let us consider. Considering means thinking about it, deliberating on it. It means, it means meditating on it. It means mulling over it. It's not just a second thought. It's something that we take and we do with purpose and intentionally. And he says, the question here is, in the morning when you wake up or when you're with other believers, do you really think, how will I be of effect to others today to spur them into these good works and love? It's something that we are called to do. We are called to consider this. How do we spur one another in good deeds and love? Our focus is helping one another become all that God has called us to be. And all that God has called us to be is found in love and good works. And we're going to talk about that. So the aim here is to steer us into good works. My friend Stacy borrowed me this. She used this at youth before, and I liked the idea. And I was like, could you bring those spurs with you? These are spurs that are used on horses. And that scripture says, let us spur one another. So they are put on at the back of the shoe. Am I right? And as you ride, and as you ride, if you, if you jab your horse, the spur is supposed to help you 
like direct the horse where it's going. If you jab the horse, the horse gets confused and doesn't know where to go. And what you do is, there's a, a, a right way of doing it. I was watching it this week. I was like, oh, I thought you just jab it. And I realized, no, you don't just jab it. <laughs> there's a way of rolling. You roll it in a, speci- in a direction that you want the horse to get away from. And, and so as they, as they do that, that helps the horse to have that direction and to go. But also, these are not comfortable. They've got like spikes on them. So sometimes sparing one another does not mean it's all nice and beautiful and rosy. Well, I should not say rosy because roses do have thorns. Maybe I say lily, <laughs> lily, lily, if they sound like that. So we are called to be people that, and yes, we are gentle because you don't want to hurt your horse, but you are in a place where you apply enough pressure, and that takes wisdom. And in our small groups, as we go on, we are called to be people who spur one another. This is a sign. I think this is going to be a sign for small groups. <laughs> spur one another to good works. And so when we think about that, I want us to remember, we are called here to be people who are steering. The other word that is used for spur is steering one another. We are called to be people that are encouraging one another. Um, And so when we look at that in our small groups, when we come together, that's the place to do that. I'm going to get to that. All right, let's move on from that verse. The next verse is verse 25. It says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. He is calling us to not neglect coming together. So, I know this verse has been used in different ways because there's different, uh, there's different interpretations and not of any of them is bad, that it talks about Sunday service and it also talks about small group and also it talks about all that. But today I want to focus on small group because Sunday service is where we come and we celebrate what has been happening in the week. We come back here together and we celebrate what God has been doing amongst one another this week. Let me read this. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. I read this this morning to the worship team. It says, what then shall we say, brothers, when you come together? Each of you has a hymn, a word of instruction, a tongue and interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. It says, when you come, you are bringing this with you. Where have you taken it from? From your time with the Lord and from your time with your small group, from your time of working and living together. And then we bring it here for celebration together. And I want to encourage us as we do that, that we are called to be people who go out and then come back together. And when we come back together, we bring what we've got and we put it together. I usually use an example of a fire that you take sticks that are burning and when you put them together, the fire lasts longer. But when you pull the sticks away from each other, what happens? It dies quickly. And that's what we are called to do, to be people who come together with our burning so we can encourage. And those that are burning lower that need to burn even more, when they are touched to the fire, they burn even more. 
That is what we are called to do as believers. So I want us to think about in our church, what corresponds with a place where we can sit and encourage one another? I want you to see this, what is a place where we can sit and not just be encouraged by the speaker and the worship team and people, but one another. In Broadway, the best place to do that is in small groups. When we arrive in our small groups, we are able to talk with one another. We are able to, uh, to, to, to reply one another. So we are able to ask questions and have questions answered and have questions dealt with with a group. But also not only that, we are able to live life with one another. On Sunday morning, it's hard to know each and every person who's here and what's going on in their life. But in your small group, we know each other. We are cognizant of what is happening in each other's life. So therefore, we live and encourage one another together because we are small enough to understand that and to know that we can be together. I'm a big believer in preaching. I preach, so I love to preach, and I believe it. But also, I believe that it's important for believers to sit and go through the word in a circle together. We hear in Acts, we are told of the men of Berea that the Bible says that they were more, they were more, they were more excellent than their peers. And what made them more excellent is that when Paul, the great apostle, would preach, they would go back and sit together and go through scriptures to see if this is really true. That small group. But if you look at it, the Bible says they were more excellent than their peers. Because of this. And I want to encourage you as you think about small groups, as you think about being together as a small group. What are your thoughts about that? Where are you when it comes to verse 25 of Hebrews? That speaks of coming together. And again, it tells us as well that these times where people forget, it says there are others were in the habit of not coming together. God is calling you and me, I believe, at this time here in, at Broadway to be people who have a habit of coming together and participating in small groups. So I left something out that I think I need to say. The one another's that you see every time you hear the word one another, I want you to remember that's, that means there is mutual, there is something mutual happening here. One another means the other does and the other does. There is mutual. So as we sit here, as I say, stand here and preach and encourage and exhort and teach, you sit there and you, you, you receive that. But there is no output here in the service for you to encourage me back. But when we are in small group, we are facilitating a discussion where there is mutual there is mutual, there is to and from conversations. So I believe that in, with that in light, God is calling us to be in the habit of being with one another so we can encourage one another. And so verse 23 says, let us hold fast to, the, to our confession of our hope without weathering because he is faithful. And as we come to that point of knowing that we need to be with one another, 
I want you to realize that in being with one another, there is things that are hard that happen. There is hard things that happen. They might not be very comfortable. And one of them is to speak the truth in love to one another. In our small groups, we are, because we have relationship, we are able to speak truth in love to one another. Even the truth that feels a little bit harder to hear. Because we have that relationship, we are able to do that. <clears throat> Good example. In my small group, well, it's not my small group. It, I'm not the leader of the small group. I attend a small group. I see my leader smiling there. <clears throat> In our small group, there are times where there are, there are things that have to be said that are hard, but they can be said and it will be easy to say them because we have relationship with one another. I can go to my brother Justin and say, hey, dude, this and this, this doesn't seem to work well because of this and that. Because I've got a relationship with Justin. And he will hear me from where I'm coming from. And Matt can come to me as my small group leader and say, hey, Sims, I don't think this and this and this is working well with you because of that. And he's telling me the truth. That might be hard for me to swallow. But because we have that relationship, I'm able to hear him. And therefore, I'm, we are fulfilling that speaking to one another in truth. Let me read this to you. Ephesians 4.15 in the Amplified. It says, rather let your lives lovingly express all things, speaking truly and dealing truly and living truly and folded in love. Let us grow in every way in all things unto him who is the head, the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. He calls us to speak truth to one another. He calls us to just, it's very easy to say, yeah, I'm a person of truth. I'll tell them the truth. But we are called to speak the truth enveloped in love. Truth without love is hurtful. We spoke about that before. Truth without love does not grow people. If we speak the truth and we don't have love, we do not grow. Love brings the joy that helps us to grow in knowing and hearing the truth. So I want to encourage you that as you learn to speak the truth to one another in our small groups, we do that in the heart of love. As I say that when Matt comes to me, I know Matt loves me. How do I know? Because we are together in a small group. We walk together, we cry together, we laugh together. I know that he has got the best interest in his heart for me. So when he comes to me and says, Sims, I think this and that and that needs to change, I take it with, with seriousness. And I take it because I know that he cares for me. And his words to me, that he says to me, are life-giving to me because they are bound in love. But for somebody else who does not have a relationship with Matt, if Matt would go and say that to them, they will be destroyed. So it is important for us that our truth and our walk together be in love. Another person who reminds me all the time of speaking the truth in love is a friend that I have to Stacy, the one who gave me these. Oh, don't play with that mama. She knows how to tell truth, but also she knows how to love and tell truth in love. I've seen her do that with our youth. 
where she loves them, they know they are loved extravagantly by this woman. But they know as well that she will tell them the truth. And she builds that together. And the amazing result of that, it's crazy when you watch. Sometimes you think, you know, people who are in, in, our, in mine and Stacy and Shane and other leaders who are older, Ben, you are older, <laughs> who are older, and people think, how do they deal with the youth? Because most probably it's not anything else. It's just because they know that they are loved. And when they know that they are loved, they can accept the truth that is brought to them without the boundaries of age without the boundaries of anything, the fact that they are loved and the truth is told to them makes things work together. So I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, that we are people of truth. So being encouraging one another, Hebrews 12, Hebrews 3, 20, 12 to 24, to 14 says, take care, brothers, lest any one of you uh, be taken on by evil and unbelieving heart, uh, leading you to fall away from God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called day, not that one of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we share in Christ, if only we hold firm to our confidence till the end. So when I read this, for me, especially that last part there, that says we encourage each other so that we can hold firm to our confidence till the end. Being together, for me then it means that being together, when we are together, we are people who are going to persevere to the end. Being together and encouraging one another is the means for us to hit the finishing line. Life is hard. I know we, I was speaking to a friend last night at dinner at their house. Life is hard. We are told in our American culture or in our Western culture that it's okay to be individualistic. You don't need anyone else. That is a lie from the pit of hell. We are called to walk with one another. The reason why we're facing so much depression and anxiety and all these things is because people are walking on their own. They are trying to do what we have taught them to walk on their own. We are called to walk in community, to walk with one another. And then when we come to uh, with one another, then we can persevere to the end. I believe that the saints in the book of Acts that faced, and later that faced persecution, how they kept on going was holding each other's hand and being together through that. And here the Bible tells us that if we continue to hold on and to encourage one another, that's a necessity for us to finish and to get to the finishing line. I want us to remember sin is waging a constant battle in the life of a believer, to deceive, to harden the heart. And if it succeeds, people fall away. And, and, and if we don't have each other to encourage and to hold each other, sin will succeed because it's deceiving. He comes as if, as if an angel of light. So he deceives, the enemy deceives. And so I want us to, to realize that being with one another is one of those ways 
that we can hold on to hope, and this hope is in Jesus. The means that I feel is appointed for us to be together and to persevere to the end is daily exhortation by one another, daily encouragement from one another. And one of the most important things that we can do as believers is walking with one another. We meet wherever we can, whether we meet in homes, we meet in restaurants, we meet in wherever we can. And how do we meet? When we meet there, we are meeting there to help each other hold fast to this confidence. But also we walk with, with one another there so that we can be able to finish this strong. This is not a one-man race. I know Paul uses the example of a race, but this is a different race because we are holding on to each other. I will pull my brother Alex to the end of the race, whether he likes it or not, screaming and kicking. That's how much we love one another. I know he would pull me screaming and kicking the same way because we have a relationship and we walk with one another. Bonhoeffer says this, a Christian needs other Christians who speak God's word to him. He needs him again and again, and when he becomes uncertain and discouraged. We need one another. We need to be encouraged, exhorted, and taught by one another. The next thing that I can talk about is that there are three relationships that are very important for us as believers. Number one is your personal relationship with Jesus. That's highly important. Not going to argue with that. Number two is your relationship with other believers. And then number three comes from how those two work out, which is a relationship with the world, those who are not believers. So those are very important to us as we think about being with one another. The other thing that comes to light in the one another's is that we are called to teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. Colossians 3, 12 through 17 that we read speaks of that. This is what we are called to do. And verse 16 of that says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness of heart to God. And so he speaks there and he tells, he tells us that we are called to be people who teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And again, I want you to realize that that's not only that, but also in the same phrase, kind of like First Thessalonians 5.11 says that, therefore encourage, admonish, exhort, teach one another and edify, strengthen and build one another just as you are doing. We are encouraged to be people who are teaching, who are admonishing, who, are, who, who, who do this with all wisdom. All wisdom. What does all wisdom look like? Where does wisdom come from? Story. It comes from God. Yeah, God gives us wisdom. Remember the story of Solomon, 1 Kings 3. He asks for wisdom. God is the giver of wisdom. But also I want you to realize that God gives us wisdom, and this wisdom is exercised and sharpened and forged in the fires of our relationships with one another. It would be useless for Solomon to have had all this wisdom and not use it with other people. 
And so we are called to be people of wisdom. We are called to be a community of wisdom. And I want to encourage you to think that wisdom is forged in those fires of relationship. James 3, 13 to 15 says, says, Who is wise amongst you? By By his good conduct, let him show his good works in the meekness of wisdom. And he speaks, he goes on to speak about that let not be, let's, let's not be false, let's not be boasting and all these things. But he says, we do this by meekness of wisdom. So I want to submit to you as you think about teaching, admonishing, and correcting one another, that wisdom is marked by meekness and freedom from self-ambition and freedom from bitter jealousy and freedom from boasting. I submit this to you in connection with James 3, 13 through 15. In other words, wisdom rises from a relationship of meekness and humility and love and servanthood rather than jealousy and selfishness. Wisdom is not a solitary thing. The Desert Fathers, one of my favorite people in early centuries, they lived in solitude, but they lived in communities in that solitude. That's why we see so much wisdom and we're like, oh, there's wisdom maybe in the ascetic life. No, it's because they lived in community together. They exercised that wisdom in that community together. People who are loners are not wise. It's not wise to be alone. The Lord Jesus that we serve has saved us and reconciled us with himself, but also has reconciled us with one another. So being alone is not wise. That's not what we are called to do. So where, where, wisdom, where wisdom flourishes in life is in a place where there is a culture of peace with one another. When as a small group, as people that live together and be together, there is wisdom in that piece. Why do I say that in Colossians 3 that, we, that um, Alison and her family read for us? Verse 15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body. Then it tells us later that then comes wisdom. So in a place of peace. And a place of peace means, verse 13, As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive one another. The ability to forgive and to live in peace. Number two, it's a culture of thankfulness. Because then he goes on and says, be thankful always. It is the opposite of grumbling. When we are in a place where we are thankful, where there is gratitude, there will be wisdom. It's a good soil for wisdom. And then number three is a culture of rich with the gospel with the word of God. So he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In a culture that is filled with the gospel, that is filled with the good news of Christ, then there is wisdom. Because in Christ are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then the last part that I saw in the scriptures, we're talking about this, is that in in a culture that is teaching and admonishing one another, Because in verse 16, it says, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. When we do that, we walk in wisdom. And I want to encourage us as we look at this together, 
as a church. We are called to be people of one another's, of one anothering each other, if there's a word like that. One of the things that I gave you in your uh, bulletin, I don't have my bulletin here, do I? I gave you an insert that has got these one another's that we've been speaking about. I gave you one of these inside. It's an inset that has got these one another's that we've been speaking about. I want you to think about them, know them, pray about them, watch for them in your small group, cultivate them in your small group, cultivate in being with one another and doing that well to the glory of God. And so as we close today, I know we did not go through all of them through the summer, but we tried to group them in different groups. And as we close this group of one another's, I want you to hear this, Broadway. This is my challenge. As you think of a small group, as you think of yourself as an individual, are you a person that spurs one somebody else and have other people spur you into good works and into love? Is your small group a place of spurring one another into good works and into love? Are you open to be spurred into good works, and into love. And then second thing that I want to challenge you is that, are you open to be encouraged to hold on to this faith and to this hope? Is your small group a place where there is encouragement to hold on to this hope in God? And then the third encouragement is, are you a person who is teachable? says teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. By the way, the word admonish means correct firmly. Are there people in your life that can admonish you, that can correct you firmly and you receive it? We are called to be people who, who do that and also receive that. I know some people who love to correct others firmly but do not receive correction firmly. And I encourage us, and it's a human nature thing, it's a fallenness nature. And I encourage us to be people who can give that, that firm correction, but also receive that firm correction wrapped up in love. How do people know that you love them if you're not in relationship with them? So if you're going to speak truth in love to this sister or to this brother, I want you to ask yourself, have I created an atmosphere of relationship that they know without a shadow of doubt that I love them? Because we are called to speak truth in one another in love. As we close today, as we finish this, I promised you that you would hear the scripture being read over and over again. So I'm going to read it again to you. Romans 12, 9 through 20. Listen with your heart. It says, love is to be sincere and active without hypocrisy. Hate what is evil. Hold on to tightly to what is good. Be devoted to one another authentically with brotherly affection as members of a family. Give preference to one another in honor, never lagging in diligence, act law in the spirit and serving the Lord enthusiastically. Constantly rejoicing in hope because of our confidence in Christ. Steadfast and patient in distress. Devoted to prayer. Continually seeking wisdom and guidance and strength. Contributing to the needs of God's people. And pursuing hospitality. 
Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, conceited, or self-important or exclusive, but associate with the humble people, those who have a realistic self-view. Do not overestimate yourself. Never pay anyone evil for evil. Take thought for what is right and gracious and proper in the sight of everyone. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave the way open for God's wrath and his, and his judicial judgment and righteousness. For it is written in scripture, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For by doing this, you heap burns, uh, burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome and conquered by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's who we are called to be. Ephesians 5, 16 through 21 says, watch your step. I'm reading from the message. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Do not live carelessly and unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. Do not drink too much wine that cheapens your life. Drink the spirit of God, huge drafts of him. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. Sing songs from your hearts to Christ. Sing praises over everything. Any excuse to sing a song to God the Father in the name of our master Jesus Christ. That's who we are called to be. And as the worship team comes forward, I want to encourage us that as we have walked through these one another's, may these scriptures that we have read today, at the end, if you have didn't hear anything today, may you have heard the scriptures that have been read today. Because they encourage us, but they also lead us, but also they, they, they teach us on how to do this well. We are called to be a people who live a life of encouraging one another and sparing on one another. Sparing on one another does not happen in isolation. In our church, it would be good because sparing on one another happens in the lives of small groups. Would you consider being part of a small group? If you're part of a small group already, would you consider feeding these nutrients to the soil of your small group? Then we will grow and bring forth fruit and fruit that lasts. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you have called us to be people who live and walk with one another. Lord, I pray that as we walk with these one another's and we walk looking at these and learning from these, help us, Lord, to show your glory. You have created us, Lord, so that we will enjoy you, but also that we will show your glory. And I pray, Lord, that as we live as Broadway with one another, that you would help us to be people whom your glory shines through. We give you praise and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Okay.